Welcome back to The Federal Drive with Tom Temin, Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. When you think about it, there's a lot left to learn about the human brain. Now the National Institutes of Health has expanded an initiative known as BRAIN. It stands for Brain Research Through Advancing Innovative Neurotechnologies. The latest round of grant funding is $220 million, doubling the BRAIN investment. With more on the goals of the initiative and where the money will go, Dr. Walter Koroshetz, Director of the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Dr. Koroshetz, good to have you back. Thanks, Tom. Happy to be here. First of all, just review for us BRAIN, the initiative. This goes back some years now, and it's kind of a grand design approach to the many, many aspects of brain disease. That's right, Tom. Um, the BRAIN initiative uh, was launched uh, by the president in 2013, and uh, it is a, a really amazing project um, with a focus on trying to understand how the brain processes information in its uh, very complex circuits. And the key to uh, opening that door is to attract in uh, folks from different fields, engineering, physics, math, computer science, uh, to give us the tools called the neurotechnologies that allow us to uh, see that activity um, as it occurs, and then also to modulate it for health. So that's the big picture of the Brain Initiative, Tom. Now, this latest round of funding from Congress, $220 million, these will be grants. And how do you go about the process of deciding where the grant money goes? Because that can go pretty far. Well, yeah. So NIH has a fairly standard method by which uh, they put out a, a call to the entire country that uh, anyone from a, you know institution of higher learning or, or even you know industry groups can come in and apply then those uh, grants are reviewed by uh, what we call a study section, which is kind of, you know, it's the American way, jury by your peers. Those grants then get scored, and we then look at the highest scoring grants and uh, see how they fit in with the overall aims of the, um, of the BRAIN initiative, and then that's how we make our funding decisions. Now, in the first round of funding, the money went to a variety of projects, some looking at the brain as a massive tissue, for lack of a better word, the brain itself and the pathologies and so on in the brain. Others looked at technology that you would use externally to help the brain or look at the brain. How do you decide what the overall balance will be between pure medicine approach and a technology approach, hardware that might go on top of your head to see what's going on inside? That's right. So it has always been a balance. Um, we have um, profited greatly by a uh, report that was written in 2013 by a group of uh, really wonderful scholars. And that report was delivered to Dr. Collins, the NIH director. It's called Brain 2025. It's easily available on the web. And it outlined kind of a pathway um, of combining what we call uh, neurotechnology development, so you could say hardware with some of its software, and uh, neuroscience discovery projects. And, uh, and so that balance we have been uh, paying attention to in terms of where the funds flow. Um, there's a, a number of different balances that we think about. Uh, one is um, the balance between neurotechnologies that are uh, be focused in animal experiments versus those that can be applied to the human conditions. Um, I, let me uh, say that uh, you know much of what we've been able to do 
to try and understand information processing relies on uh, applying technologies to, say, mouse uh, behavior in mouse brains, for instance. Sure. And another way to look at the balance is between something that is applicable technology that can help a known disease versus basic research into learning more about the brain itself. How do you draw that balance? Again, the aim of the Brain Initiative is to is based to get to the goal of understanding human circuit activity. and uh, But the technologies, as you build them, um, some of the most powerful ones are just not applicable in the human condition at this point, uh, but uh, they allow us to to understand kind of fundamental principles of how brains work, which we think would apply uh, with you know customization to the human condition. So one example um, I think is that uh, you know the Nobel Prize to Ubel and Weasel um, was uh, based on recording from brain cells in the visual part of the brain as monkeys were shown a particular bar or a light, and they could record from one cell at a time. Um, but uh, what we know is that it's not just one cell that's firing in response to these stimuli. And now the technology, one of the, one of the most interesting technologies allows us to actually light up an entire brain so that we can see all the cells that fire in response to a task. And this is done by putting a gene into the mouse brain so that when those cells become active, they light up, and then microscopes were built so that you can see over the surface of the mouse brain. And now, instead of recording from one neuron, you can see the activity of a million neurons. So that is, that, I mean, I just can't overemphasize how important transformation that is because the language of the brain is a language that includes basically 85 billion neurons in our brains. And there are, they are being activated and deactivated in some kind of pattern, but we don't really know what that language is because we've never been able to see that kind of symphony of brain activity before. Now in the mouse, we can see it. It's going to make it really uh, push the technologies to, be, to allow us to kind of move that technology from the mouse into the human, but we're definitely not there yet. We're speaking with Dr. Walter Koroshetz, the director of the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. It sounds like you're almost, to put it in computer terms, close to the operating system of the brain. That's what we're trying to get into, yes. Yeah. So in a computer, the language is, you know, well-defined, and you know what each part of the computer is doing. I guess when you get into quantum computing, you get into probabilities, uh, the brain is more complicated than any computer that anyone's ever devised. Uh, so the computations that are going on in the human brain as I'm talking and you're listening are you know, astronomical. So there's the 85 billion neurons, there's a trillion uh, connections between the neurons in which information is processed, and we don't understand the fundamental... Uh, rules of the game of information processing because we've never had the tools to be able to see that range of activity. But now those are coming in, say, the mouse brain. Now, in the human condition, we are definitely working on uh, developing tools that can, be, uh, can help us understand diseases. Uh, these 
tools are generally being applied to people who have epilepsy and who require um, monitoring of their brain activity for the surgeons to know where they could go in and remove the source of the epilepsy. Um, so in those patients, they have frequently volunteered in the brain initiative projects to have their brain activity sampled, um, not just not just to find out where the epilepsy goes, but also to take part in experiments to know what neurons are activated when I talk or I pronounce a word or I sure. have a thought. So there's there's very uh, kind of close integration in learning about the circuitry from the mouse where we have really good control and the human where we can get good information but not at that same level of detail. And some of the progress you've described, I guess, is attributable to the first round of financing and the first round of grants dating back to the initial brain, the launch of the brain initiative. So it sounds like you've got good evidence to support future funding as you try to keep this alive in Congress. Well, the Brain Initiative, is it is the most exciting project I've ever seen uh, in my term here. I've been here 11 years, and um, I'd say um, it has opened the door and uh, tremendously gifted scientists, young and established, have come through that door uh, to work on the Brain Initiative, where in the past they were working on computers or optics. Or, uh, and so it's, uh, it's, it's really... Not you know it's not the same engineering problem of you know putting a man on the moon, um, but it but it is I think on that same level of impact and has has that uh, attractiveness to the scientific community. Do you ever and, uh, chuckle when you hear on the computer side people talk about artificial intelligence and creating a human brain electronically? Yes, I chuckle. <laughs> I think that's that would be the uh, that would be the response. Um, but on the other hand, you know, to if you're going to understand the circuit, you uh, you can collect all the information, but you really don't understand it until you can model it. So these computer modeling uh, of circuit activity based on the kind of data that's coming out now from the Brain Initiative is incredibly important. Um, and there is actually, uh, even in the industry, interest in what's called neuromorphic computing, which is the idea that if we, if we could really understand how the brain processes information as it does, that we could actually build extremely more powerful computers using much lower power. If you think about the power that a computer runs, you know, it heats up. Your brain is, is, is doing much more powerful computations at a, you know, a, a, a tiny fraction of the energy that a regular computer uses. So there is a great deal of interest in understanding the brain processes uh, for the purpose of building uh, more powerful computers. That's actually one of the, there's brain initiatives around the world now, I should say, and, and so that's one of the focus, main focus areas of the European Brain Initiative is to, uh, to actually build computers based on what is being learned about brain uh, processing. So in some sense, we're close to convergence here. Well, I don't think we're close, <laughs> I would say. I think, we're, you know, we might be 100 years away in terms of the... But the rockets the are aimed in the right of, direction. Yeah, they're aimed in the right direction, but the complexity of the brain... I mean, truth of the matter is, you know, we don't, we don't know... The, we may know something about some of the letters that the brain uses, but we don't know the words, we don't know the sentence structure. Uh, 
early stages uh, uh, in terms of getting a sense of that holistic view of how brain process information. What what is really interesting is applying some of these brain technologies to um, lower animals where you can actually see all the neurons that the animal has. So experiments going on in C. elegans, which is a worm, allows you to actually collect data on every single connection, every single neuron in that brain, and then in activities that they're limited, certainly in the worm, but there are some, uh, you can actually see every single neuron light up uh, in an activity. So, So some of the early fundamental principles may come out of these uh, studies in simple organisms where you can get the entire picture of, of the brain. Uh, even in the mouse, we can't get close to that. And a final question. How are things going on the Alzheimer's and dementia front? Well, I think the uh, you know the uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, dementia is, is, is the public health problem that is pushing our society um, as our, our population ages. And um, certainly the BRAIN initiative is giving information about the circuits that cause the symptoms that people have with dementia, for instance, memory. Um, so memory circuits are probably one of the main targets of, of folks working in uh, neural circuit uh, neuroscience. Uh, and trying to improve those circuits is is something that, uh, that uh, by actually modulating the circuits, is something that is of interest. There have been reports uh, that actually um, stimulating the circuits at certain frequencies can reduce the the uh, pathology of Alzheimer's disease. Yet to be, you know, really confirmed, but it has been published. Um, so there are, there is evidence that the circuit activity itself could potentially be modulated in these uh, dementing illnesses. The other side of the coin, which is prior to the brain initiative, the major advances in neuroscience have been on the molecular side because uh, the tools were available to you know, analyze the chemicals in the brain or the proteins and what they do, and that has led to molecular therapies that are now being tested, say, for Alzheimer's disease, uh, as you viewers may know uh, that Alzheimer's disease and all the neurogenic diseases are characterized by the aggregation of a protein, could be a different protein for different diseases, inside the nerve cells. The idea being that there's, you know, a problem in processing certain proteins that then kills the cells. And so people have, and companies now have multiple clinical trials going on to remove these proteins from the brain in Alzheimer's disease, and I think 2019 will be an interesting year because I think a number of the trials uh, are going to be coming in with their results 2019-2020, so we definitely have our fingers crossed on that. Exciting prospects on all of the lobes. Dr. Walter Koroshetz is director of the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke, part of the NIH. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, My pleasure, Tom. Find links to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at iTunes or Podcast One.